Welcome to Journey South Bay. Thank you for inviting us in to listen to God's Word. Take a moment to get comfortable, sit back, and relax as we listen to today's message. So the scripture comes from Mark 4, 35 to 41. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he woke, he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? May God bless the reading of his word. So we are looking at uh, just moments with Jesus, the life of Jesus, uh, and, and just trying to meditate on him and see him uh, this fall. And this entire text uh, is pretty plain in terms of an encounter with Jesus in that what it does is confront our experience with storms, and storms and, and, and clouds in life. And what do you do with those? Um, when my oldest son was, I think he was just a, a little bit over two, uh, we were, we had, the house that we lived in was two stories. And my wife and I put him to bed and we're downstairs just watching a movie or and hanging out. And um, several hours later, went up to, to bed ourselves, and as we w- went upstairs, um, you just smelled something that wasn't good. And uh, we started to walk down the hall, and it was horrible, and we w- realized it was coming from his room, and you opened the door, and he had just thrown up all over his bed and was just asleep. And we were, we were like, oh my goodness. And so we wake, we wake him up, and we're like, hey, buddy, are you okay? And... Uh, He's like, no. He goes, I don't feel good. He said, I called to you. I said, Daddy, where are you? And nobody answered. Please don't call DPS. Um, he's worked through that. His mom is not. But yeah, you're in the midst of those moments, and you wonder, yeah, where are my loved ones? Anytime you're in a storm of life, almost the immediate human condition is to ask severe questions. You can't go through a storm in life in silence. And the disciples in the midst of this moment, in the midst of this actual storm, ask a question that we probably all ask. That They ask in verse 36, Lord, don't you care? And another way to probably rephrase that question is to say, God, where are you? Where were you in the midst of this? Which is a question, whether you believe or are struggling with belief or looking into belief is something you will inevitably ask in the midst of a storm in life. So how do you navigate that question? How do you navigate those moments? Let's navigate it through this text by just noticing three things in the text. One, there, there's a very confusing circumstance. Two, there's a, a terrifying person. But three, there's a very freeing question to ask. First, in the text, there's a confusing circumstance. So here's what we're told. 
that Jesus has been teaching all day. Uh, he's very tired and worn out by the crowds, and so he's kind of kind of escaped the crowds. It says uh, that they then get, uh, in verse 36, they got in a boat with Jesus. Jesus invites the disciples into a boat. He says, let us go to the other side. So they're going to take uh, this, this boat from one side of this lake on the downside of the mountain to the other side of the lake, and then in the midst of that, a huge storm comes. Now, the language, we'll get back to this, but the language for the storm it, it is not like a little sprinkle. It was a Greek word that would have been used for something like a mini squall, like a tiny little hurricane that just gushed through uh, this part of, uh, of the Sea of is that this storm is happening and you have zero control of what's going on. And it threatens you. And what, what, what this circumstance is exposing is, is something we all sort of emotionally and spiritually go through in the midst of the storm. Is that when something hard happens in your life, what really causes anxiety, what really lets doubt peek in is not the circumstance of the storm per se, but what, when you begin to realize that you have no control over it that there's something more powerful than you, that there's something more dominating than you that you can do nothing about. Because when you have that, that's when these questions come up. Am I forgotten? Am I loved? Am I stuck in these things? And then when you begin to ask that, you can know in life that you are in a boat. And when you're in the midst of that and you've experienced that, there's two truths and two lies that you have to tell yourself in this circumstance. One truth is that you have to know that God knows what you deny. And that is, you have no control in life. We, we are always convincing ourselves. If we educate ourselves, we make a little bit more money, we work a little bit harder, if we improve this, that I've got a little bit more control over our life. But the more you reach for it, the more you're just buying into an illusion that God never, ever, ever buys into the way that you do. You have no control, and He knows that. And the only thing that God has ever asked you to control, listen, is nothing in your circumstances. It's only yourself, which often is uncontrollable. Look, some religions will tell you that the circumstances having in your life are an illusion, and that this is not reality, and you've lost your perception on reality. But look here in the text. This storm these circumstances, Jesus does not look at them and say, you're just imagining this storm. He says, why do you doubt? Which means he's, he's going after their perspective. He says, I know what you're experiencing. Let's talk about how you're experiencing it. But he doesn't question the experience in itself. Look, you have to know that when you're in the midst of a storm and you feel the questions of the boat, it is not a lack of faith. The second truth you have to know in the midst of the storm is not only does God know that you don't know, it's that sometimes God may take you in the boat and put you in the storm. I, I've often wondered in the midst of this uh, text that Mark doesn't, he doesn't record this, but if, if any of the disciples ever wondered, hey, Jesus, this was your idea to get in the boat and do this. There's a lot of Christian teaching so-called Christian, that says if you trust God, if you give your life to Christ, He will protect you from storms and you'll have no more storms in life. 
Here's what happens. Jesus says, come get in the boat with me, follow me, and takes them out and exposes them to their near death. I mean, how severe was this storm? They say, we're dying. And how they got there was following him. Now, this is so important because what will happen to a lot of people, and especially if if you're a teenager, follow me on this, you'll get to a point in life where something in your circumstances will happen that will make you doubt the promises of God. And actually what's going on is deep down you have a false belief that God is only good to your circumstances and that is the only way he can be good to my life. And part of what's going on is you have a childlike faith that's got to grow up. Here's what I mean. Um, You know, uh, when your children are really little and they ask where babies come from, how do you answer that? You know, you say, mommy's tummy. You know, but when they become teenagers, you have a little bit more sophisticated conversation. And when they're about to get married, you have an even more sophisticated conversation. And look, nobody is lying at any phase in that time. Often, it's just the appropriate, wise conversation for the person that you're talking to. And some of you, look, look when you were little and in Sunday school, and they told you, hey, God is good. They were not lying to you. God is good. But we're not, we're not going to look at the little children and say, hey, when you're older, God will blow up your life. We're going to dra- train and disciple them along the way. But at some point, you've got to understand that God's goodness is not equal to the circumstances that you desire in your life. And if you ever can't make that connection, it's probably because you've got a mommy's tummy theology, and you've got to grow up out of that. And realize that God knows circumstances that you don't know. But there's two lies that you have to know also to navigate this confusing circumstance. And that's one, that competency can overcome all storms in life. Look, these were disciples, professional fishermen. I'm sure it wasn't the first storm they'd ever experienced in their life. They probably had been in many things before, but this one is so severe, no competency can deal with it. They're looking at Jesus and saying, we're dying. They're terrified. No amount of knowledge, no amount of experience, no amount of wisdom, no amount of anything will ever make you immune to some of the storms that you will experience in life. There there, there is nothing that can prepare you for death from a loved one. There is no competency. And your competency at one point in anything will hit a ceiling where you have to turn and ask the question, are you there? The other lie you have to know is that friends are not enough. Excuse me, that friends are enough. You need community. You have to have people in your life. And there's a sort of an interesting tension here where at some point you can't navigate faith alone. But look, the disciples are all there together. And it's not like they're in the boat going, well, at least we've got each other. It's not enough. 
And Jesus is not asking them collectively, somebody, and he's asking them all, where is your faith? That you, are, you individually are going to have to answer these questions and deal with this yourself. Where is your faith? Because in life in the storms, there is always a confusing circumstance of, a, of you being in a boat, inevitably going through a storm. But secondly, in the text, there is a terrifying person. Look, when the disciples are in the boat with Jesus, do you notice what they say to him? They say, teacher, don't you care? Which means at this point, they believe this man to just be a teacher, to have wise sayings, to have some interesting thoughts. And for the most part, you and I probably need to admit that we typically think of Jesus actually in the same way. It's easy to sort of read in and say, well, they didn't understand yet. But yet, for the most part, the way that we interact with Jesus and let him invade our life is on the grounds that he is only a teacher. And this man is asleep on a cushion in the front of the boat, and it says this white squall just comes up on the boat, overwhelms it, probably rocking it left and right, up and down, and almost turning it tips over. And then verse 39, Jesus, is, I, I guess he wakes up, maybe yawns, and stands up, and it says, peace be still to this little hurricane. It's two Greek verbs, present progressive imperative. Essentially, he's saying to this little hurricane, stop and shut up. That's how you talk to your dog. He doesn't, like, wave the wand. You know, there's no fingers. And then it says that when he did it, it didn't, like, die down. It says it was instantly calm. The language in the Greek, it says it was mega calm. Almost like it went from hurricane to glass in the snap of a word. Now, real quick comment about this miracle, because I realize that some of us in this room hear this and just kind of roll our eyes and think, well, this is sort of inspirational, but come on. Um, well, enter into this with me. Look at the text. I mean, it, it says this about Jesus. He's asleep in the stern of the boat on a cushion. Uh, it says the time of the day. It was, when it was evening, they did this. Um, why are these details in there? How, how, I mean, does it make Jesus more of a savior that he was asleep in the front of the boat and not the back of the boat? You know, his head's on a cushion. Does that mean he's like deeply dreaming about his people? No, like it's just, these are just Mark's observations. And then, even more incredible to me, is when he does this and says, stop and shut up to a hurricane, the disciples don't see it happen and go, that was amazing, man. They're terrified. Richard Bauckham, who uh, is an amazing New Testament scholar, in his book, uh, Jesus and the Eyewitnesses, goes through this text, and he goes through these details, and he, this is what he says. He goes, look, nobody in the, in the ancient Near East wrote fiction this way. Nobody wrote myths this way. You and I today, we, when we read a novel, great writers today are, are tremendous at putting you in the moment. 
in recreating an atmosphere so that you feel like you're actually there experiencing the same thing. That's 20th century fiction writing. Bauckham says, in the ancient Near East, nobody wrote myths and legends this way. So Bauckham says, I, look, either Mark did something that had no precedence and no antecedent for, for, for 2,000 years, or what he's doing is eyewitness reporting. Now, which one do you think that it is? But here's the other thing about this miracle. Look, Jesus' miracles, again, are, are, are not him taking a bow and arrow and shooting a star out into the ocean and watching it fall and saying, trust me now. Everything that he does is takes the terror and brokenness of this world and reverses the curse of that. Everything that he's doing in his miracles are small little moments of what the world will be like when he comes again and says, here's a preview of what it's like. It will be healing in every aspect of your experience in life. Which means this, this happened and you want it to happen. And it means two things. A, it means that this man that they're terrified of is really in control. Look, the sea in the ancient Near East was the metaphor for chaos. It was, it was the uncontrollable thing in the world. It was the thing that nobody dared tame. Even the ancient Near Eastern Greek gods were gods that could be in the sea, escape from the sea, but they couldn't tame and calm the sea. And what Mark is actually showing us here is something very powerful. It's actually a, a claim that Jesus is God. Because if you go back to the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1, when the creation story is happening, do you know what it says? It says, in the beginning, the earth was, was, was void and it was tameless. And the first thing you see is that there was the Spirit of the Lord hovering over the waters, and it's, it's chaos. And what begins to tame the chaos into beautiful creation, what it says, and God said. So what you have is the beginning of, of creation is, is literally a picture of chaos, of things that are not put together, and a God who comes in the power of his word and puts it all into a beautiful creation for us to dwell in. And so when Mark records the story of chaos on the sea and a man standing up and saying, peace, be still, and taming the chaos, he is saying, this is the creator from the beginning, now in this man. And when the disciples meet him, they, again, they're not, well, thank God you're on our side. They're terrified. Because this man has a power unlike anything they've ever met. Look, right now, you need to get in touch with this power because anybody who has power is not immediately someone you want to welcome in their life. Nietzsche even said, he said, not necessity, not desire. No, the love of power is the demon of men. That the possession of power is the most scary, terrifying thing that you can experience. And this man has it in a way that they had never seen before that he is in control even of the uncontrollable things. But the miracle also tells us that not that he is in control, but that he is with you. Because 
if he's God and in control, again, look, he's not on the shore looking at these disciples doing this while they're in the boat. He's in the boat with them. Which means Jesus was experiencing all of the terror of the storm, all of the vulnerability, all of the scary moments, not just alongside them, but before them and with them. That he's a God who doesn't just say, I hope the storm goes well. He comes in and experiences it. There's an amazing story about Robert De Niro that um, after he won the Oscar for The Godfather Part Two, he was uh, in a taxi, uh, driving a taxi in New York City, and a struggling actor gets in the car and notices this, it's Robert De Niro because he's just won uh, the Best Supporting Actor for The Godfather Part Two. And the struggling actor was just like, oh man, if you win an Oscar and you still have to drive a taxi at night, how hard is this business? But actually what was happening is he just landed the role for uh, Scorsese's uh, movie The Taxi Driver. And he wanted to train himself for the role and to really experience what it was like to be a taxi driver in that life. And so he just did it for three, three months himself. He was like, if I'm going to nail this role, I'm going to experience it. Do you, I mean, do you know that Jesus is more like that than any other religious claim in the world? Every other religion will t- give you advice, will even give you wisdom from a God for navigating that thing, but only Christianity has a God who says, I will come into that experience and navigate it for you and with you. That means every storm that you ever go through in life, you can never experience it and wonder if you're alone. Have you ever thought nobody understood you? Have you ever thought that nobody was on your side? Have you ever been unfairly accused of something? Have you ever been mentally tortured? You ever, you ever cry, like cried so hard that your, your body hurt? Hebrews 5 says that Jesus, when he was in Gethsemane, wailed so hard that he dove into the ground crying out. Have you ever felt like everybody turned their back on you? Even God. On the cross, he's saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me. All all of the experiences in the storm, so too with Jesus. If If you ever find your boat in the storm, you can know that he will be with you. See, here's why you can trust this power. Because the power will never be used manipulatively or coercively on you. It will be joined with pity so that you can doubt no more. The man, is t- they are terrified of him because they wonder if they should worship him. Look, to navigate the storms, you have to see and know the confusing circumstance, but then you have to come face to face with the terror of this man. But thirdly, you've got to ask and hear this, this question that will free you. 
because the question from the beginning is still with us. If he can calm storms and he can conquer them, then why are they still there? The question of God, where are you? But I promise you that's not the question that you want to ask in the middle of the storm because what that question assumes is that either he's not there or he's not the kind of God who answers in storms. But here, here's the tension of this text is that we, we want God in the midst of a storm. But the reason we so often want Him is because we want Him to get us out of the storm. But here's the tension, is that this is a God who's only found in the storms. Philosopher Peter Kreft, he said, God calms storms actually by putting Himself in the storms. You know, you know why God so often will not remove the storms in your life? It's because he's after a greater storm. See, he, here, here's, here's the sanctified dialogue that I think is going on. They're looking at Jesus and saying, what are you going to do about the storm out there? What are you going to do about this storm? And he looks and says, have you still no faith? He's asking them, yeah, what are you going to do about the storm within? What are you going to do about the storm of your heart? See, Jesus is going after something that at first sounds confusing, but is so freeing. See, in every storm that you go through in life, which are inevitable and are coming and may come this week, if you don't answer Jesus' question, then every storm is a double storm. Because not only are you going through that circumstance that you don't know how to navigate, you are wondering the whole time, is this a curse? Does God hate me? Am I alone and am I unloved? But the question that Jesus actually asks you, you know what it does? It frees you and reminds you that there's only one circumstance that you actually need to deal with in life. And that's whether or not you know him and are loved by him. Because if you solve that one circumstance in life, you know what that does? It actually just means there's going to be another one. And you're still going to have to navigate that and ask it the same way. But if you ask and if you, if you answer this question that Jesus asks, it means you're equipped for every storm that will come in life. See, he says, where, when he says, do you still not have no faith? Another way to say that is to ask, is to say, where is your faith? And that can be a daunting question for us because it feels like, well, I don't have much. I definitely don't have much in the storms. But if that comes upon you, you, you need to tell yourself, I, I'm not getting out Christianity right here. I'm getting out man-made religion. Because what man-made religion does in the midst of a storm is look into yourself. We almost, the question of where's your faith, you know how we answer that? We almost all answer it the way we look at a high school yearbook. When you get your high school yearbook, what's the first thing you do? You look for yourself. But the question, you know, when Jesus says, where's your faith, you know what the disciples should have done? They should have looked and said, you. The way you answer this question where is your faith is you look right back at the one asking it. And you want to know why you can do that? 
There's, there's an amazing parallel in this story, actually, to something else that it has in the Bible. If you, if you ever read the story of Jonah, it's, it's, it's almost identical what happens, is that Jonah is in this boat, just like Jesus, and there's in the midst of a storm, uh, and what happens is uh, the people in the boat wake up Jonah and they say, help, what, hap- what do we do? There's a huge storm. Pray to your God. So Jonah realizes the only way out of this storm is for, the only way for it to go away is for him to be thrown overboard and to be swallowed in the belly of a whale for three days and three nights. And then Jesus, it's the same thing. He's asleep in the boat. There's a huge storm. They come and say, what do we do? What do we do? And it seems to end unresolved, except Mark is pointing to another moment. See, here's why you can look right back at the man and trust him in the midst of his storms because he would be thrown not overboard just in the, not just in the belly of a whale, but in the belly of God's wrath. See, this is a man who will steer his boat into the storm of all storms, straight into the wrath of God. Where God will look at him in the midst of the storm when he cries out and says, have you forsaken me? And God says, yes. So that when you and I go through a storm and God says, where is your faith? You can go, it's in the man who went into the storm of all storms for me. So that I can know that what's, what I'm going through is not because you hate me, it's not because you're mad at me, it's not because I've been failing, it's because you're trying to do something more powerful within me that I never would have imagined and gone after myself. Look, in the midst of a storm, you can always know that God loves you and is with you because you can look at the cross. You want to know how God thinks about storms in your life? Look at the cross. It's the rainbow in the storm. It is God's promise that he will never, ever leave you, and you stare right back at him. See, here's how you navigate storms in life. You live in light of what you know to be true, not what you don't know to be true. The best movie of 2022, it probably won't get the Oscar, it should, was Top Gun Maverick. You you have to go see that, but one of my favorite stories is a Miles Teller, uh, one of the actors, he, he said that, um, you know, they, they really did uh, a lot of that film in, in those planes, in real fighter planes. They filmed all of those scenes. And he said, um, you know, they should, they should release some of the uh, early footage when they were training for this because he said it would just be like this. And then just passing out. And he said, he said at first, he was like, I have no idea how we're going to film these scenes because all I'm doing is freaking out in every single time we go up in this plane. I mean, the guy's just doing these things, and it's just horrifying. And they asked him, they were like, how in the world did you finally calm down enough to actually film scenes in this? And he said, I began to realize that the pilot in the plane knew exactly what he was doing. See, if you knew who was in the boat with you in life, you would smile at the storm and realize this man is the Lord of the storm. And well, it's in this way. Do you know how you know you are beginning to navigate the storms and ask the right questions and answer his question? 
It's, it's when you, you are actually asking a question. Because here's what the disciples do at the end. They say, who then is this that calms storms? And you know what Jesus would have said? He would have said, the king who goes into the storm for you. And you trust me. Let me pray for us. Father, we've had storms. We will have storms. And so we're grateful that you're the Lord of the storm who we can meet and know that when we go through it, that we are loved. Lord, anybody who's going through a storm right now, would you give them the power of the gospel to look not at themselves, to look not at their strength, but to look right back at you and to trust you? It's in your name we pray. Amen. If you enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to the RSS podcast feed. This will let you know when a new message has been posted. You can also look for us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram at Journey South Bay. Until next time, God bless.